All right, take your Bibles this morning, going with Acts 28, Acts chapter number 28, begin reading in verse number 1. You bear with me this morning. I've got a lot of preaching. I'm going to do it. And uh, I would say if I didn't get done, I'd finish it tonight, but I won't be here. So we're going to have to get it done this morning, all right? It won't carry too good to Wednesday. So uh, you bear with me. And I'm going to preach real, real fast, and we'll get out as fast as we can. And uh, I don't know why I worry about it. Y'all used to me preaching an hour, hour and a half anyway. So uh, if I got done in 40 minutes, why, well, you'd have a heart attack. I, I'm really saving some of your lives preaching an hour and a half, because if I got done in 40 minutes, you'd die of a heart attack. So you can just put, I'll put a plate in the back and you can give me a love offering after a while. All right. Acts chapter number 28 and verse number one. Find your places. You stand with me if you can enable honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Acts chapter number 28 and verse number one. The Bible said when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, look with me if you would, chapter 27 and verse number 13. Bible said, when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed uh, uh, close by Crete. But not long after, there rose against it a tempestuous wind uh, called Eurocladon. Now, look with me, if you would, uh, in verse number, uh, let me see here. Uh, look with me, if you would, in verse uh, uh, number, where does it say that? I know what I'm looking for. Just give me a moment. Uh, look with me, verse number 27. The Bible said, but when the 14th night was come, uh, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. When they'd gone a little further, they sounded again, and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing, uh, lest we should have fallen upon rocks, uh, I skip down with me if you would, in verse number 41. That's what I'm looking for. Bible said, falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, uh, and the fore part stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part uh, was broken uh, with a violent other ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure love you this morning. God, I'm thankful, uh, Lord, for the privilege, God, the honor to be back in your house. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning just for a little while. Uh, speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, if they'd be one of the midst, uh, Lord, send them without you. Save them for it's everlasting too late. Uh, and we'll be careful this morning. Give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Uh, and amen. You be seated. Uh, and thank you for standing now, watch what the Bible said in verse number 14 uh, of chapter 27. The Bible said, but not long after, uh, uh, there rose against it a tempestuous wind uh, uh, called Eurocladon. Uh, uh, there's been a storm uh, arise in Paul's life. Uh, uh, now look at verse 41. The Bible said, uh, and falling into a place where two seas met, uh, they ran the ship aground, uh, and the Apart, stuck fast uh, and remained unmovable. Now what's happened is uh, uh, they've run the ship uh, uh, into the ground. John, the front of the boat has uh, run into the ground. The Bible 
said that it held fast and was unmovable, but the waves are still crashing, the storm is still blowing, and the Bible said that the hinder part of the ship, the back of the ship, was broken with the violence of the waves. So in just one chapter now, just a few verses, Paul's dealt with a storm, he's dealt with a shipwreck, and then in chapter 28, verse number 3, the Bible said there came a viper, had the heat and fastened on his hand. I'll preach a little while. If the Lord help me this morning on this thought, storms, shipwrecks, and snake bites. In just a few minutes, Paul's endured a storm, he's endured a shipwreck, and then he's got bit by a snake. I got to thinking about that this week, and I thought, boy, I've had weeks like that. Now, I don't know about you, but I have. You say, preacher, you ever been shipwrecked? No, I hadn't. But I had felt like everything had fell apart. And that's what the Bible said, that it was broken apart. You say, preacher, you ever been out on a boat in a storm? No, but I sure have endured some spiritually. There's been some hard times. In fact, watch what the Bible said. In verse number 13, when the south wind blew softly. I mean, it seemed like, Kirk, everything was going right. In fact, Paul said they supposed that, what's what he said, supposing that they'd obtained their purpose. They thought everything looked good. It'd be a good day to set sail. And then all of a sudden, he laid there in the greatest storm of their life. Boy, I've been there a few times spiritually. Yeah, man, I've been there a few times where it felt like everything was a falling apart. And then Paul, when he finally got out of the sea, and finally got out of the water, and finally got out of the storm, the next thing we find out is a viper done come out of the heat and struck him on the hand. I mean, it seems like Paul can't win. Amen, friend. And I've been there through storm. I've been when I felt like everything had fell apart. But can I say this? The serpent in your Bible is always from the very first mention. The Bible said the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. It was talking about Satan. He tempted Eve in the garden. And all through Scripture, the serpent is a picture of the devil. Boy, ain't you had some times when you felt low already? And it just seemed like the devil wouldn't get off your back. Yeah, man, isn't that right? It seemed like he's biting you while you was down. I thought about John. After, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but Chris, I've heard him talk about when he went down in that boat, how awful that was. John, could you imagine finally getting out of all that and walking up on the beach and a snake biting you just as soon as you walk out? I mean, Paul just can't win for losing. And I've been there personally spiritually hadn't you seemed like everything's fell apart seemed like I've endured the greatest storm I mean all through that storm at least he was on a boat then all of a sudden the boat falls apart that right then he finally gets to land seemed like things going to pick up and the Bible said he got bit by a snake there's times in our lives we endure shipwreck spiritually times in our lives we endure storm spiritually 
There's times in our life we have to deal with the adversary, the old devil. We have to deal with those things. That how is it that we can survive storms, shipwrecks, and snake bites? Let's see what Paul did. And I'm going to do my best to hurry this morning. Notice for me, first of all, the previous storm. Now, we read this morning, chapter 28, that he's on the island. We know that he survived, but let's find out how he did it. Notice the previous storm. Acts 27, verse 13, the Bible said, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they'd obtained their purpose, loosing the outside, they sailed close by Creed. But watch verse 14. Everything's going good. Everything's going great in verse 13. Verse 14 said, But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. How should you know, swimming, first of all, the fame of the storm? Hey, you say, Preacher, what do you mean by the fame? Well, the other night we were sitting there at the house and we sat on the front porch and you could see, you could hear it thundering in the distance and you could see lightning begin to flash and you could tell it was getting a little bit closer and before long you could see the rain begin to fall as that storm passed over. But listen, I didn't go in and turn on the news and say, them say we've just got hit by Hurricane Hugo. No, it's just a small storm. You don't name little small storms. They're just little blips on the radar. But if I said this one, do you remember when Hugo hit? The majority of you would remember. It was a large storm. It did damage. It wasn't just a little blip on the radar. It wasn't just a little lightning, a little thunder. But they was barns torn down, houses destroyed. It did damage when it hit. And the Bible said when a south wind blew softly. I mean, doesn't that just sound beautiful? The south wind blew softly. That brings warmth from the south. I mean, it's perfect. This is ideal. To be out. I mean, it seemed like they'd obtained their purpose, is what Paul said. But not long after. Isn't that how it works in our life? Everything's going good till it's not. I mean, you say whatever you want to. But it's not a whole lot of warning that you get. Every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, are living one phone call, one conversation, one accident, one moment from being the worst storm we've ever been in. Amen. Amen. That's right. It's when everything's going good and the south wind blows softly and they thought they'd obtained their purpose. But then Paul said, not long after. Watch what he said. There rose against it a temptuous wind called Eurachlodon. You say, preacher, how bad of a storm was it? It's bad enough it had a name. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's bad enough. The Bible said a tempestuous wind, a storm, if you would, called Eurachlodon. It was named. It wasn't just a small little blip, but it was large enough that they'd have been men when they read this. They'd have said, I remember that storm. Isn't that right? And so we see the fame of the storm. There's never been a small storm named. It was a large storm. But then notice with me the faith of the storm. Look with me in verse number 20. Bible said when neither sun nor stars that in many days appeared. Now watch what he said. And no small tempest lay on us. What Paul said. 
for many days. We never saw the sun. We never saw the stars. All we saw was waves and rain and darkness for many days. Isn't that right? He said, no small tempest. He lets us know it's no small storm. Watch this. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. I don't know about you, but I've been in some storms like that spiritually. Where it wasn't just a little blip for a few days, but for many days. I never saw the sun. I never seen the stars. There was never any light. How I many got to feel like that storm was never going to end? I was never going to see the other side of the greatest storm I'd ever been in. And even Paul said that all hope that we should be saved was in God. They'd lost all hope. Verse 21, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete. And to have gained this harm and loss. Well, Paul's just a good Baptist preacher. Stands up and he says, if you'd listen to me, none of this would happen. Isn't that right? Watch this, verse 22. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer. I told a man the other night, I, I was talking to, I told several people this week actually. And I, I'm not saying it's all a sad story. But I told a young preacher yesterday, he's taking his first church. He's talking to him and here's what I told him. I said, sometimes the hardest part of being a pastor is you've got to be willing to be miserable to let your people be happy. He said, preacher, what do you mean? Paul said, if you'd listen to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. Is that right? But then he said in verse 22, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. God hit me. It ain't my nose, but I'm just going to hit it real quick. God hit me. Sometimes it feels like Corey has the job of the pastor. If you'd listen to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. If you'd just listen to what the Word of God said, your family wouldn't be broke up. You wouldn't be living where you are now. If you'd just hearken to what the Bible said. But you realize the very one that warned was the very one that exhorted. Yeah. That right? Even when they had not listened, even when they had brought harm to themselves, Paul said, now I'm going to exhort you. Sometimes you've got to learn to be miserable to let your people be happy. Yeah. That right? Yeah. You have thick skin. Can't get too broken hearted. They didn't hearken to what you said because now it's your job to pick them back up. Isn't that right? Yeah. Now watch this. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the sheep. Let me say this real quick. It'll always cost you something to go against the Word of God. Right. Yeah. Paul said God's going to save your lives but you're going to lose the sheep. that right? Watch this. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. Lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, and it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Now hang on just a minute. Verse number 20. Paul said, All hope that we should be saved. He didn't say all hope they should be saved. All hope we should be saved. Verse 20, Paul lost all hope too. But you know what happened? He got a word from God. They're right. Y'all ain't getting that. The faith of the storm. All hope that we should be saved was gone. Then Paul said, I'm going to exhort you because I've done heard from God. 
Watch what he said. Boy, I like it. I'd love to just stop right here and preach it. Wow. Paul, verse 23, for those who took by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar and Lord God, hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Watch verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God. Isn't that right? Oh, listen to me. You say, preacher, how are you going to get through a storm? I tell you how it is. It'll not be what you see. It'll not be how you feel. It'll not be what's going on around you. You better find you a word. That's exactly right. Paul said, I believe God. Isn't that right? Many days had been no sign of the sun, no sign of the stars. Paul couldn't see hope. Uh, he couldn't. He couldn't feel hope. Uh, all he felt was the rain beating down, the wind boisterous, uh, and a great storm. The Bible said. But aren't you glad amidst all that, Paul could find him a word and put his faith in it? What's what he said? Y'all ain't getting that. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, "Fear not, Paul." Thou must be brought before Caesar, and Lord God given thee all them that said with thee, Wherefore, sirs, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. See the faith of the word or the storm. And then notice the time frame. You said, Preacher, how long did this storm last? What's verse 27 of chapter 27? But when the 14th night was come, so we were driven up and down in a drift. About midnight, the shipmen deemed they drew near to some country. Now, I don't know how much time passed, but it wasn't immediately that Paul said, I believe God, and the storm just quit. Yeah. Fourteen nights, that ship was tossed up and down, up and down. And all Paul had to hold to, hadn't seen the sun, hadn't seen the stars, all he'd felt was rain. All he'd felt was wind. I hadn't seen any hope. I, all hope was lost. I, and the only thing Paul could cling to was a word. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. All he could say was, all I know is, the other night God sent me a word. I, and I believe God. Isn't that right? Yeah. Can I tell you something? When you're in a storm, all you've got to hold to is that word. Yeah. That right? right? Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I may not can be there when you're going through a storm. You may not be able to see the sun. You may not be able to see the stars. But I'm glad, thank God, there's a word. When all else fails, I'm glad you can just believe God. Watch what he said. He said, wherefore I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Paul said, all I know to do is take what he told me and just believe that's exactly how it's going to happen. Right. That right? Lasted 14 night, days and nights with nothing but a word from God to put their faith in. Notice with me, we notice the time frame, 14 nights. Then notice the flight. Watch this, verse 27, or verse number 40, I'm sorry. When they'd taken up the anchors, they committed themselves in the sea, loosed the rudder bands, and hoisted up the mainsail of the wind, and made the Lord shore. They finally got a glimpse. They figured out they're close to shore. Watch this. Following the place where two seas met. Well, there's a lot of preaching right there. They ran the ship aground. The forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. The hinder part broke with the house of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. Now, hang on a minute. I want you to see something. All Paul's had, John, is a word from God.
All he knew to say was, all I know is God told me that I was going to make it to Rome. You just imagine storms still raging. They've run the ship aground. Ship's been broken apart. And the soldiers step up and say, let's kill the prisoners. Seems like things aren't going according to plan. Is that right? Seems like, almost would seem like that word's about to fall apart. Almost would seem like that Paul might have put his faith in the wrong thing. Watch what your Bible said. You reckon this is coincidence? Soldiers, counselors, give prisoners, any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, you know who that is? That's the one over the soldiers. Willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. And commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first in the sea and get to land. Now watch verse 44. I like this. And the rest, you know what he said? If you can swim, strike out to land. Now they're prisoners. They're hauling prisoners to Rome. And they said, all right, strike out to land. Save yourself. Then what about them couldn't swim? The rest, watch what Paul said. Some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. What the Lord tell Paul? He'd give them all to him. Is that right? So they had to, so they had to be on a certain island. Chapter 28 verse 1 said, And when they were escaped, they knew the island was called Melita. Is that right? Sounds like that word's a pretty good thing to put your faith to. Listen to me. Now things are getting worse. And a storm. But amidst all that, they've had a shipwreck. Is that right? The very thing they're trusting in fell apart. Everything's fell apart. Yeah. Can I show you something? Bible said some on boards, some on broken piece of the ship, but they all made it safe to land. Can I show you something? If that ship hadn't fell apart, those that couldn't swim would have never made it to land. Terra, I want you to get a hold of that. If that ship hadn't fell apart, not everybody would have made it. Can I tell you something this morning? Oh, my soul, sometimes God will let everything fall apart so that you'd hold on to the broken pieces and make it safe to land. I preached a message some time ago on don't throw away the broken pieces. These times it seems like everything's fell apart. But the Bible said some on boards, some just on broken pieces of ship. What they used to depend on now has fell apart. All they could do is hold on to it. Let it carry them to land. You say, preacher, what do you do when you're, when you're in a storm? Put your faith in the word. Preacher, what do you do when everything falls apart? Hold fast to what's left. There I am. Hold fast. That ship fell apart, broken. Pieces of the ship. All they could do was hold on to what's left. Listen to me. You say, preacher, that's where I'm at. I feel like everything's falling apart. You better hold fast to what's left. Is that right? When it seems like Bible said it like this, holding fast those things which you've been taught. When it seems like everything's falling apart, it's not time to find a new way. Is that right? It's not time to... I said it before, I'll say it again. It blows my mind how many people 
That I know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging. I know they've sat in my office or sit, I've sat in the living room or they've called me on the phone and told me how things are just about to fall apart. And their answer to that is to let go of everything they can count faithful, everything they can rely on. Uh, they get out of church, they quit reading their Bible, they quit praying. Uh, they, that's not, when everything's falling apart, it's time to hold fast to those things uh, that are faithful and true. Uh, hey, man, friend, that word just brought you through the storm. Uh, hold fast to it. Isn't that right? Uh, amen. That's right. Uh, uh, the church. God ordained the church. Hold fast to it when everything's yeah. falling apart. It's not time to get out. Uh, it's time to hold on that much more. Uh, you say, preacher, my marriage is falling apart. You better hold fast to what's left this morning. Uh, amen. That's right. Uh, preacher, my youngins are falling apart. Uh, love them anyway and hold fast. Uh, and what's left isn't that right uh, hold fast this morning when everything's falling apart some on boards some just on broken pieces but they all made it safe to shore can I tell you something this morning I have some that could swim it didn't matter to them John if a ship broke apart or not they swam to shore but they have some that couldn't if that boat hadn't been broken apart they'd have never made it to shore can I tell you something this morning? I know it's hard when things fall apart. But the Bible said, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Isn't that right? Yeah. Do you realize everything might be falling apart in your life just so that husband, that wife, that young and that co-worker, whoever the case may be, it might just be God's giving them a broken piece that they can hold on to yeah. make it safe to shore. You better hold fast to what's left. I guarantee you these tickler to death have a broken piece to float on. Is that right? Yeah. I bet they guarantee. I know Kirk and Kenny, they, they can't swim. I guarantee if we was out on a boat and the boat went down, I guarantee they'd be tickled to death to have something they could hold on to. And I guarantee you couldn't pry it out of their hands neither. Isn't that right? Amen. It might just be that God's letting everything fall apart so that somebody can have a broken piece and make it to God on. Say the broken piece. He said, Preacher, what are you doing in your storm? You better have a word you know, put faith in. What do you do when you're in a shipwreck? You better have a broken piece you can hold to. Hold fast to the broken pieces. Aren't you glad true to his word? They all made it to land. There was, there was not one individual did not make it. Every last one of the Bible says what came to pass that they escaped all safe the land. So we got a storm. Got a shipwreck. Everything's things about to pick up. They've all escaped safe to land, Paul included. Now watch this. When they were escaped, verse 28, chapter 28, verse 1, they knew that the island was called Melita. So we've seen the previous storm. Let's see his present situation. Paul's put his faith in the word, got through the storm, had on to the broken pieces. Made it through, held fast to those things which remain, made it through the shipwreck. Now, his present situation, he's safe at shore. Bible said that the barbarians showed us no little kindness, for they kindled us a fire. What about that? Just got out of the water, soaking wind, been through a storm for at least 14 days. Get up on the shore, here's these barbarians, none got a fire started. We're going to stand around and get, it seems like things are picking up. Watch this. 
What about his present situation? Notice the relief. Bible said when they escaped, they knew the island was called Melita. You say, preacher, what do you mean his relief? Wouldn't you be relieved to be back on land? Is that right? Your feet feel like you're on something solid for the first time in days. Uh, for the first time in days, not be rocking back and forth with the waves uh, and the wind for the first time in days. Uh, I'd see a fire be able to warm yourself. Uh, I'd be relieved, bless God. Uh, I'd be thrilled even though the storm was raging. Uh, I believe I'd rather be facing a storm on my feet on the ground. Uh, I had on a boat somewhere. Uh, the boat's been torn apart. Uh, I'd be relieved to be standing there. They found out where they were. The Bible said they were escaped and they knew that the island was called Melita. That had to bring some relief. Because the last 14 days, they didn't have a clue where they was. They hadn't seen sun nor stars. You realize that's how they navigated the seas? Not only was that a storm, they didn't know where they was at. They could have blew up anywhere. The Bible said they knew the island was called Melita. They found out where they were. Now watch this. We see the relief. Notice the reception in verse 2. The Bible said, And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. You know what that means? It wasn't no small act of kindness. It was a big thing. Yeah. For they kindled us a fire and received us every one because of the present rain, because of the cold. What about that? Paul said, We come up out of the water soaking wet, about to freeze to death. These people didn't know us. Uh, they didn't have to do it. Uh, but they kindled us a fire uh, so that we could get warm uh, because of the present rain uh, and because of the cold. Uh, isn't it amazing how God put somebody in your way uh, uh, just right when you need them uh, uh, to bring encouragement and help to you? Uh, and that's exactly what happened to Paul. Uh, he had relief. He was up out of the storm. Uh, he's on dry ground. He knew where he was. Uh, uh, but then we see their reception. Uh, they welcomed him. They were kind to him. Uh, they killed them all the fire. Uh, a bunch of prisoners that's uh, uh, going to Rome. Uh, uh, but these people had compassion uh, and killed a fire uh, so that they could be warm. Isn't that right? Yeah. We said the reception. Notice women the responsibility. I'm hurting. Watch verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, laid them on the fire. Now I'm going to slow down right here just a minute. I don't know what time it is, but I'm hurrying. Now, get the picture real quick. They've come up out of the water. The Bible said the barbarian people show us no little kindness, for they kindled us a fire. That word kindled means they started it. Is that right? Yeah. And I'd see Paul come up, and he's sitting there, and I'd see it begin to dawn on him. I could have died out there in that water. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I could have died during that storm, but I had a word to hold on to. And I could have died during that shipwreck, but I had some things I could hold fast to. God's been good. He's put these people in my life as kindled this fire and got it started. Well, it'd be, it, there's some things that it'd just be my responsibility if they started it. I ought to be able to keep it fed. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to add to the Bible, but that seems like what happened to me. They killed a fire, and then the Bible said, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, Seems like he must have realized if they's willing to start it, surely I can keep it fed. Is that right? So the Bible said that Paul went and gathered a bundle of sticks. He went and got some things that was laying around somewhere on that beach or wherever they's at. He went and got him a bundle of sticks. And I'd see him 
carry that bundle of sticks back because now it's his responsibility. Somebody else started a fire, but now he's going to keep it fair. Things finally picked up. Isn't that right? I was talking to somebody the other day. It might have been Kenny. I don't know. But uh, we was a talk, whoever it was, we was a talking. And they said, uh, and it's a true principle, it's a true fact that sometimes we fail to realize how much we enjoy uh, because somebody else done put in the work. They're yeah. right. Yeah. They're right. I mean, listen, we enjoy him what we enjoy this morning because somebody else labored. Uh, somebody else put in a work. Uh, somebody else started Blue Ridge Baptist Church. Uh, and now 51, 52, whatever it is years later, uh, you and I don't enjoy him what we've got to enjoy uh, uh, partly because of the fruit uh, of somebody else's labor. Isn't that right? Paul said somebody else started. Surely I'm feeding. Can I say this? I believe it'd be almost a revival message. This little part right here. Got to think about some fires that somebody else started. Some things. Isn't it good when you come into the house of God and you've been through a storm, been through a shipwreck, and it seems like God just sends you the very message you need. Uh, hey, Kendall, you a fire where you can get warm. Uh, hey, get your feet back under you. Hey, find some rest and find some comfort. Uh, hey, go back and fight another mile. Uh, go back and go another day. Uh, hey, listen to me. Hey, you know what revival is? It's taking some things that really is doing nobody no good. Uh, that bundle of sticks laying over there. The Bible said Paul gathered a bundle of sticks. It was doing nobody no good laying on that beach. It was doing nobody no good laying in the edge of the, of the woods. But Paul said, what's doing nobody any good laying there? If I'd be willing to throw it on the fire, it'd benefit everybody. That's what revival is. Things in our lives that do us no good. If we'd be willing to give it to the Lord, uh, you might find it benefit everybody uh, and feed the fire this morning. Right, yeah. The Bible said Paul gathered bundle sticks and threw them on the fire. Is that right? Now watch this. It's the responsibility. Then I want you to know some of the response. Paul's done a good thing. Gathered bundle sticks, threw it on the fire. That's just his responsibility. And the moment he did that, the Bible said, out of the heat came a viper. Now, let me tell you something. That viper was not in the fire. Is that right? That viper was not in the fire. That viper was in that bundle of sticks. Is that right? Now, get a hold of that. Paul had been carrying that thing around for however long he'd been gathering wood. He'd carried, it, carried that thing around with him all the way to the fire. It wasn't until Paul decided he's going to give that stuff up and threw it on the fire that viper come out. Is that right? Can I tell you something? Now you stay with me right here. I'm going to try my best to show you real simply a very, very important truth. The devil has no problem your sin laying around doing nobody no good. Is that right? I'll be honest with you. He has no problem with you bundling it all up, loading yourself down with it. Carried it around. That's right. right. Don't have no problem with that. But when you start taking those things that stood you no good, you decide you're going to give it to the Lord. He can't stand the heat. That right? I hope you're getting that. He has no problem at being scattered all through your life. I don't bother him a bit. 
There's no problem you bundling it all up and loading yourself down and trying your best to carry it. He has no problem you laying yourself down and burdening yourself down with sin. That don't bother him not one bit. Kirk, he's perfectly content just stay in that bundle of sticks and not bother you not one bit. But when you start giving it to the Lord, he can't stand the fire. The Bible said when Paul laid it on the fire, out of the heat came a viper and fastened on his hand. Is that right? Do you realize, listen to me, Christian, as well as those of you never been saved, do you realize that's why we're not able to turn over a new leaf? I don't care what Oprah and Dr. Phil says, you can't turn over a new leaf. So if you turn over a new leaf, you know what the devil will do? He'll flip it right back over again. Is that right? It's not possible. It's not in our nature. Listen to me. Over and over again, I remember. I remember when I. I remember when I was a teenager, and I think, boy, I got to quit doing this stuff. I, and I'd try my own self, Leona, to quit saying what I was saying and doing what I was doing. And I'd do my best to quit. Well, if something would happen. I think, well, it's better before. Is that right? Is that right? But I was trying to do it myself. Well, watch what the Bible said. The response. The Bible came out of the heat, passed on his hand. You know what the Bible said Paul did? It said when the barbarian people saw it, they thought, surely this man's an awful man. Let's read it so I don't mess it up. Verse number three, the Bible said this, the responsibility, Paul gathered by the sticks, laid them on fire. The response, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Now watch this. Paul's put some stuff on fire. That viper's come out fast on his hand. And all them people that showed him no little kindness said he must be a murderer. That though he, he endured the storm, endured the shipwreck, vengeance suffereth not. You know what they're really saying? Karma's done caught up with him. That's what they're really saying. Because when that viper bit, it meant death. That right? Especially in those days. But you know what Paul did? Bible said Paul shook off the beast and felt no harm. Now what about that? That's amazing to me. They said surely he's a murderer that deserves to die. And you know what? They was right. They're right. Bible said at the death of Stephen there was a young man named Saul consenting unto his death. They're right. He was a murderer. He did deserve to die. Isn't that right? Paul said himself, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He was a sinner. He did deserve to die. God hit me. I'm about to come slap on Luda. But somehow or another, the Bible said he shook off the beast and felt no harm. You say, preacher, how in the world could he do that? I thought you said it was a death sentence. I thought you said it meant certain death. It did. It did. It meant he must die. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. Amen. That's right. For all have sinned that comes short of the glory of God. Uh, that means if you're a sinner and we all are you deserve to die this morning that right but somehow or another being a sinner being a murderer Paul shook him off 
No, watch what he said. Watch this. Verse number five. The Bible said he shook off the beast into the fire. That right. Paul didn't shake him off on the ground. He just shook him off into the fire. Watch this. And felt no harm. Verse six. How bad they looked when he should have swollen. Falling down dead suddenly. But after they'd looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. What about that? They said, he must be a murderer that deserves to die. They said, how bit when he didn't swell, didn't fall down. The Bible said, them barbarian people changed their mind. What's what they said? Said he must be a God. Is that right? So we ain't never seen nothing like this in our life. There's something different about that man. There, right? Something different about him. Just shook, Chris, uh, I mean, you just imagine a, a, a copperhead biting somebody and them just shaking it off and acting like it's just nothing, no, no harm, no swelling, no nothing, no, no, no mark, just felt no harm, felt no pain, uh, just nothing, just shook it off like it wasn't nothing, uh, hadn't went on about their day just like nothing even happened, uh, them barbarian people, now don't be too harsh on them, uh, we know he wasn't a pagan god, what they said was, uh, we ain't never seen nothing like this, uh, we don't understand it, uh, he's just trying their best to make some sense of it. Uh, isn't that right? Uh, and they were barbarians uh, and they said he must be a god, little G-O-D. Uh, they weren't calling him God. Uh, they said he must be one of the gods. Change your mind. He said, preacher, what are you saying? We've seen the previous storm. We've seen the present situation. I want you to know something. I'm done. The power to survive. I'll tell you a story. I don't know if I, I can't remember. I've tried my best to remember and I can't remember if I've told it here or not. Several years ago, it was a death sentence to be, be struck, be bitten by a venomous snake. There was some scientists decided that people would get bit, Michelle, and surely they'd die. And there some scientists decided something had to be done about this. They had to, somehow or another, they had to find an answer to be able to fix this to where people wouldn't die. Well, they got to notice and they got to talking to people. And I'm just telling you the truth, you can look it up. They got talking to people and they figured out some of them farmers said, well, when my horse gets bit by a snake, he'll swell up real bad, but he don't die. So what they did wrong was they started taking the blood of a horse and they'd take that venom and put it in that horse's blood and they'd study it. And sure enough, it didn't do the same thing a human blood did. So what they did was they'd take the venom of that snake and put it in that blood of that horse and then they'd mix that together, let it sit, and they'd inject it into somebody's been snake bit and over and over again, they'd die. Couldn't figure out why that that horse's blood, well, it did save that horse, but it wouldn't save a man. Well, then they got told and they figured out that a pig could do the same thing. So they tried the same thing with a pig. Sure enough, they mixed it together, injected that. Somebody got bit. Sure enough, they, they die. Finally, well, I'm just telling you the story. Now, you believe whatever you want to. Finally, one day out in the middle of nowhere, one of them scientists run into a shepherd. He thought that shepherd said, them sheep get bit. A lot of times they'll die. He said, but a little lamb won't even swell. And they said, is that the truth? He said, it sure is. So they took the blood of a lamb. They put it, that snake venom in the blood of a lamb. And here's what they said. I'm just, you go look it up if you don't believe me. They said, Chris, the longer that venom set in that blood of that lamb, that it wasn't the venom changing the blood, but it was the blood that began to change the venom. Said slowly but surely, you could see less and less of the venom and more and more of the blood. So here's what they did. They took 
So those people that get bit, they take the same venom from a snake just like it bit them. They'd put in the blood of a lamb. They'd mix that together. They'd inject it into somebody that'd been bit. And over and over and over again, they'd live. That was the creation of the first snake vaccine. The blood of a lamb and a little bit of venom mixed together somehow made a way to live. I don't know if you're getting that or not. Somehow or another, the very thing that plagued man could be placed in the blood of a lamb. Somehow or another, instead of that venom corrupting the blood of that lamb, that blood, that blood of that lamb would clean and, and, and atone for that venom. It'd make it safe, be able to fight away that, that venom that'd been bitten. Well, I don't know about you, but we said a moment ago, for all of sin, come short of the glory of God. Every last one of us this morning been bit by sin. Yeah, right. Is that right? The venom, the poison of sin runs through our veins. Is that right? Baptizing at Jordan, John the Baptist Bible said one day, as he's baptizing, he lift up his eyes and seeing Jesus, cried with a loud voice, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Aren't you glad God had a lamb? Is that right? Not a horse, not a pig, but a lamb. God had a lamb. Bible said that he that knew no sin, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, he who knew no sin, did what? Became sin for us. So, preacher, oh, I hope you're getting this. Every last one of us been bitten this morning. The poison of sin runs through our veins. But at Calvary, God took the blood of his lamb. I don't know if y'all getting this or not. At Calvary, God took the blood of his lamb. I don't understand exactly how it happened, but I just know that it did, Ronald. Somehow or another, God placed my sin and your sin, not only our sins, but he said he who knew no sin became sin. Isn't that right? The very sin nature, the very poison uh, that courses through our... Listen to me. You say, preacher, what does a man have to do to be a sinner? He doesn't have to do anything. He's born a sinner. Bible said, in sin I was conceived. Isn't that right? We're born with a sin nature. And he that knew no sin became sin for us. Say, preacher, what happened? God took it, Calvary. He took his spotless, perfect lamb, suspended between heaven and earth, and placed sin on him and in him. I don't know, John, I'll be honest with you. Y'all may not be getting this, but I'm about to get too deep. I, I mean, I, I'm just about to wait out in waters. I, I, mean, I ain't been in a long, long time. I, I don't understand exactly how it happened. I, I wish I could explain it to you. But somehow or another, I, when God let him become sin, I, instead of that sin corrupting his blood, I, God, it may have the perfect blood of Christ begin to purify and cleanse and pay for sin. And a antidote was made at Calvary that any that come to Christ could live this morning. I don't understand it. 
I wish I could explain it. Uh, I wish, Lord, I could tell you exactly how it took place. Uh, but I don't understand. But I do know this. Uh, at Calvary, sin was placed on him. Uh, and it was mixed with the blood of the Lamb. Uh, and it made a antidote uh, uh, for you and I this morning. Uh, uh, that we didn't have to perish. Uh, uh, but that we could live. Jesus said, the thief has come not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. It's talking about Satan. But then he said, But I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You say, Preacher, how can that be? Because I'm glad he's the antidote. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't understand it, John. For I was every morn. Them youngins back here. All them little youngins. Whoever the youngest and is. I don't know. Whoever the youngest and is here this morning. Uh, you realize he's born with a sin nature. Uh, you don't have to teach them to sin. Uh, uh, Brianna, as that little boy gets older. You don't have to teach him how to tell a lie. He's born knowing how to tell a lie. You don't have to teach him how to sin. Uh, he's born with that desire. He has a sin nature. Because of that he deserves to die and go to hell. Thank God at Calvary, an antidote was made. No wonder, Kenny quoted this morning, Peter told us, but the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us for it, not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, hey, it was enough made. I heard something the other day. Hey, it's talking about the corona vaccine. who said they couldn't make it fast enough to meet the supply, meet the need uh, for everybody that wants to take it. Uh, well, I don't know about that, uh, but I do have good news. Uh, the greatest need mankind has uh, is an answer for sin. Uh, and the antidote's already it been made. Uh, it's in vast supply. Uh, there is no want. Uh, amen. Supply meets demand. Uh, every man's a sinner and there's enough to cover every man. Uh, amen, friend. That's right. Uh, and if you die without the antidote uh, and go to hell, uh, it'll not be his fault. Uh, it's your fault this morning. The antidote's been made. Let me read you a verse of Scripture. The Bible said, Revelation chapter number 12. Turn with me if you would, and I'm done. Revelation chapter number 12. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 10. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 10. Here's what the Bible said. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Now, let me tell you what's happened. Satan's just been cast into the lake of fire. The book of Revelation is not necessarily written in chronological order. Watch what the Bible said. Verse number, verse number nine, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, Satan which deceived the whole world, and was cast out into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God, day and night. Satan's just been overcome. According to what the Bible said, that tells me that day and night he accuses us before God. Isn't that right? And we've got an accuser. But God, help me thank God I've got an advocate. Isn't that right? You go to a courtroom, 
You'll have two different places. You have a defense, uh, and then you'll have that bringing the charge. Uh, ain't that right? Uh, hey, man, that's exactly right, preacher. Uh, listen to me. Uh, but thank God I've got an accuser. Uh, I've got one child that brings up everything I've ever done. Uh, uh, constantly, he's got plenty to talk about. Let's just be honest. Uh, uh, Ron, he tells the Lord everything I've ever done. Uh, uh, but thank God with an accuser. Uh, I've also got an advocate uh, uh, that's on my side. Uh, and there's only one thing that's got to be said. You say, preacher, what is it? What's what your Bible said? You say, preacher, what's the answer to the accusation? What's the answer? What is our defense? What's what the Bible said in verse 11? And they overcame him. Watch this. By the blood of the Lamb. Y'all ain't getting that. Read it one more time. And they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb. The word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto death. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Do you realize this one of the only answer that there is for the accuser? He's right. I have sinned. Is that right? Leonard, Leonard Fletcher wrote that song. Said that one day while walking down a memory lane, passed so long ago, the old accuser came right to where I was, making me feel low. Brought up thoughts of doubt and shame. All those things happened in the past. You know the song, how they went on and Leonard Fletcher wrote, he said, and I told him, you're right for all the things I've done. I surely deserve to die. Isn't that right? Then right before he hits that chorus, he said, there's just one thing I can say. Then he hits that chorus and says, it's under the blood. Isn't that right? That's the only plea I have this morning. That's the only plea I've got is that one day an antidote was made. Uh, one day my sin was placed upon him and an antidote was made uh, so that I can live. Uh, yes, I was cursed by sin. Uh, yes, it flowed through my veins. Uh, uh, but thank God this morning uh, there's been an antidote given. Uh, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Y'all ain't getting that. Uh, it's under the blood. It's cold. It's cold. It's been washed away. Thank God this morning I, I'm glad for the blood aren't you oh thank the Bible says they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony you know the only thing we've got to get to overcome Satan and sin the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that's all we got this morning that's it there's nothing in me to overcome him you think I don't know what you faced before you got saved you didn't have the ability to fix yourself. Wasn't just you didn't, you couldn't. Yeah, right. Is that right? You could not remove that sin. If you got, if you got, listen. If you went, if we went outside of here in just a second, you got bit by Copperhead. You don't have the ability. It is not humanly possible to get all that poison out of your body. Is that right? You might could get. You might could clean the wound. You might could, you might could make a slit and suck some of it out. You might could do some things, but you can't get it all out. Once it's in, it's in. That how sin is. You might clean yourself up a little bit. You might can make yourself look better than everybody else, but you can't fix the problem. There's po- the poison of sins coursing through your veins. But thank God, there's an antidote. Like that song they sing, "There is a remedy." Isn't that right? There is an answer this morning. Oh, thank God at Calvary, he became my antidote. No wonder the Bible said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, preacher, what do I have to do to get that remedy? What do I have to do to get that antidote? They tell me when they first started giving the vaccines for coronavirus, I don't know, I, I, I didn't go, but they tell me that they were backed up for miles and miles and miles waiting to get that. But I've got good news. I'm glad there's no lines. I'm glad, thank God, you don't have to meet a certain age. You don't have to meet certain criteria. They start giving out that vaccine. They start out with the essential workers. Or they start out with those that they felt needed the most. But can I tell you something? God just loves sinners. You qualify this morning. There's no line. There's no weight. There's no limit. He's the answer for your sin. He's the only answer for your sin. Preacher, how do I get it? The Bible said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple this morning. We've made this thing way too complicated. Let me tell you what it takes to get saved. Brother Kenny quoted this morning, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Do you realize, no bragging to me at all, but just the Bible you've heard this morning, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've heard the word of God this morning. All you've got to do is take what you heard and put your faith in it. You don't have to understand all of it. You don't have to understand every biblical truth there is. If you don't understand nothing but that he was your antidote, that's enough to put your faith in. Is that right? Put your faith in him. Ask him to save you. That's it, friend. That's how simple it is. Let me ask you a question. If you went to your grandma and she had a brand spanking new, I mean, just pulled out of the oven, bless God, blackberry cobbler. And you said, Grandma, I sure would love to have a piece of that. And you believe with all your heart she's going to cut you a piece. Do you really think she'd tell you no? Absolutely not. Is that right? I ain't never, Brenda, I ain't never known a grandma wouldn't let her grand youngins get anything they wanted. Is that right? Can I tell you something? At Calvary, he made the antidote. Kidder was telling me, them doctors at the hospitals all the time on the patients, wanting them to take that, wanting them to take that vaccine. In fact, they stay on her all the time, telling her that as leaders, they are, them doctors push that because they think it'll help you. They think it'll be a help to you. Well, he's the great physician. There is no thinking about it. He knows that's the only answer for your sin. He'll not turn you away. So, first, you don't know what I've done. It don't matter this morning what kind of, what kind. It doesn't matter this morning how much venom may be coursing through your veins. He's the antidote. That right? The blood, that, that blood began to affect the sin, not the sin affect the blood. You listen to me. Do you realize this morning, he's the answer. He'll not turn you away.